Tandem Nomads, episode 220. It took me a couple of years to overcome my fear of being the face of my business. As the expression says, sometimes you are your worst enemy. I couldn't agree more because I know I was my own for a while. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host, Emel Deregi. Today, I want to talk about something very original and new about some kind of business model that you could make portable. But I also want to talk about this alternative solutions that could exist if you want to build a business that does not require from you to show your face and be the brand of your face. However, there is a twist to this at the end of this episode. We will talk about that, about all the mindset and the things that might stop you from actually seeing that maybe putting yourself out there is the solution for you. So in order to talk about these big topics, I brought to you a great friend of mine who has been truly inspiring to watch in her entrepreneurial journey, Susan. Susan, are you ready for this ride? I'm so ready. Thank you so much for having me to talk about my journey on this show. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure to have you here and thank you for taking the time for it. I know how busy you are. And Nomad Nation, let me just introduce you real quick to Suzanne. So Suzanne Dib is a civil engineer. She has a master in international business and is a certified green project manager. Since 2005, she has lived in three continents as an expat spouse and is now located in New York, where she launched her e-commerce businesses and developed her expertise in digital marketing. Also, she co-founded VCO. New York and New York City certified owned business enterprise in the fields of branding and creative design, where she holds the position of business developer. Hey, Suzanne, what a journey you've been through. I can't <laughs> wait to dissect all of this. <laughs> well, it sounds really surprising when you hear it from someone else. <laughs> it's so funny because it's not the first time I hear that. <laughs> oh, my God. So, okay, let's let's back up a little bit. I wanted to talk today about, you know, what are the solutions when we don't want to show our face, right? But you also have an amazing story as an expert partner and as an entrepreneur. And I would love you if you could before, just give us a little bit of an overview of what got you to start a business as a solution to your career. And how did you end up with e-commerce? Sure. I guess my story is similar to so many expats passes who had no other choice but to reinvent themselves. As you mentioned, I was a civil engineer before hoping on this expat lifestyle and before having kids. But I knew I wouldn't be able to continue. And honestly, I didn't want to continue as an engineer. I just wanted to take my time being with my kids and help them uh, and help myself, of course, adapt in every country we move to. Especially when we moved to countries where I couldn't speak the language like Spain. But to make the long story short and after uh, like forward uh, after 11 years, uh, my kids became somehow independent, and that year I decided that it's about time to do something for myself. I wanted, I always wanted to own a business, but with this constant moving, I had to think of something that I could carry with me in my suitcase. 
This idea was actually born during my master's um, studies in a career development session when the professor evaluated my situation and she told me, you have to carry your business in a suitcase. You see, a coaching business would be perfect, but I'm not a coach type of a person. So that business type was not an option. And I always wanted to have a business that sells products, but to open um, a, a traditional uh, brick and mortar business was not possible either, unless someday um, we settle down in a country for good. So the only way to do it would be online. And after much research, I found out about the drop shipping model. Mm, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, I love how good you're at introducing the topic, by the way. So Nomad Nation, I want to talk about this real quick. I, I love how Suzanne brought all the aspects and the elimination of I don't want to, you know, um, I want to build a product based business and I need to do it online. But I would just want to share here that, that I always say some biz, online businesses are portable and others are not. So every online business is not portable, but every portable business should have an online component. And dropshipping is something that we're going to talk that is an alternative for e-commerce because traditionally e-commerce is that you produce a product and you sell it online. So that means that you need to have a uh, inventory, you have to have a taxation system, et cetera, also to, to think about. So a lot of complications when, when you have your e-commerce that you manage on your own. But nowadays we have the concept of drop shipping. So we're gonna talk about what drop shipping is and why is it helpful to make your business portable. Um, but before, I wanna talk a little bit about um, like, tell us a bit more about your journey and what kind of businesses did you start online? Sure. Uh, so I have an e-commerce business uh, based on the dropshipping model that focuses on selling kids stuff, mainly toys and clothes. My online shop is a social business as well, where part of my revenue goes to support some causes that me and my kids believe in, like donating to kids' cancer hospitals, um, pencils of promise in Africa, and feeding hungry kids in some parts of the world. I got that idea because I wanted so badly to do something for my kids. I wanted to start something so that when they are old enough, uh, they can jump in and take over. So right from the get-go, I got my kids involved so that they can feel that they are like part of this adventure and to also take it seriously and have some responsibility towards the business itself and towards giving back to the community. This is so powerful. This is really, <laughs> really powerful. So can you explain real briefly why is e-commerce, was the e-commerce the solution for you? Because I remember we were talking together, you were saying, I don't want to be the face of my business at the time. We're talking about that later. Right. But how, where do you see the advantage of e-commerce and how it avoids you being the face of your business? So for me, um, I can tell you why I didn't want to be the face of my business because um, it, it's a personal story. Uh, because when I first moved to the States, there was definitely a social stigma surrounding veiled women. Oh, for those, yeah, for those who are listening, yeah. they might not see you. Actually, can yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they would see the picture of me at the beginning <laughs> of your, uh, you know, newsletter or so. Um, uh, I am uh, uh, a hijabi woman. 
Um, I'm half Jordanian, half German, and I'm a woman of color for so many people. I'm considered a woman of color. So um, before, like when I came to the States, I've heard so many negative stories of how hijabi women are perceived. And uh, because of that, I unfortunately built like a wall around myself. I got to the point that I was only confident hiding behind the screen, assuming that people just don't want to do business with me because of the way I choose to dress. So I created these limitations for myself. Mm. And uh, because I felt that I constantly had to be wary, this like the fear factor that is abused by the media affects everyone. Mm. So that was mainly the reason why I wanted to uh, hide behind the screen and do start this uh, e-commerce and online business. This is interesting. I want to dig deeper into that because this is a topic that's near to my heart. Um but the first step before you got, you identified this as a limiting belief because you're telling us this was a limiting belief for you at the time. Yes. Um, but before you realized that, you actually turned that challenge that you saw as a challenge into an opportunity by creating an e-commerce business where your face was not visible, right? right. You could right. run it from online. So first of all, you started this from scratch. You didn't know it anything about e-commerce when you started this tell tell us how you did you get to learn how to do this uh well i started from scratch as you said i knew nothing about it although during my masters in international business i learned about you know strategies and marketing for expanding into like internationally but there was nothing specifically for e-commerce but then YouTube and Google is your best friend when you want to start learning new skills and get information. Of course, uh, I also invested in a lot of uh, online courses. Some of them are good. Some of them you learn afterwards that you paid money for nothing. <laughs> but this is how um, I started. And uh, before actually starting the e-commerce itself, I don't know, because maybe this is my engineering uh, brain that I need to test, 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 and then go out there to feel more confident. So I tested a lot of uh, products. I tested the website a lot. I uh, tested the concept a lot just to make myself confident that yes, this is something I want to do. This is so good. Testing is so important. And I think it's really great that you have the scientific brain that, uh, that's used to testing. In my online courses, I teach how to actually test your products because I think mm -hmm. it's so much better than going full force, investing, and then losing everything because you realize that there's no market for this or that it's actually not working for you. So this is such a good key point that you're bringing this out. Thank you for, exactly. <laughs> for that. So, okay, you learn on your own, you test it. Now, I remember when we met a few years ago, it was not yet completely drop shipping. And mm -hmm. I would love you if you could share a little bit of your experience of the disadvantages of e-commerce when it's not portable. Could you tell us more about that? Yes, sure. I mean, if you have an e-commerce where it's not based on dropshipping, one of the biggest uh, challenges is will be to uh, buy uh, a lot of inventory in advance, and that could mean that you have to need you need to have like um, a lot of capital, and you need to have a warehouse if you're not using your own house or apartment to store 
uh, those products. So for me, that was not something that I wanted to do because of the uncertainty of my husband's job where we like every couple of months or every, let's say, sixth month, they would tell us, oh, there's a chance that you might be moving to other countries. So I didn't want to go into that model. And I just from the right from the beginning, I wanted to um, have a model where I don't have to deal with stock or any inventory. A lot of people say, oh, I just started an online business and then I'll do it from wherever I go. And it's not necessarily possible when we have such a type of e-commerce. So can right. you explain then how is, what is dropshipping and how is it solving this problem? Sure. Dropshipping basically means I don't keep products I sell on my website in stock. Instead, I purchase the item from a third party. Usually it would be a wholesaler or a manufacturer who then ships it directly to the customer, which means I don't have to touch or store the product in a warehouse, as I said before. But the best part is that I get paid first from the client and then I order that product from the supplier. If you uh, like uh, the, the customer comes to the website makes an order, I get paid, and then depending on the quantity or the orders I received that day, I would send it to the supplier and he would fulfill the order on my behalf. This is such a, it sounds like a dream, right? All you have to do is bring the client to your website. And of course, uh, you need to do the uh, customer service as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's a part of your <laughs> e-commerce or online business customer service. Yeah, so I'd love to hear more, like if you can give us more insights on like tips on drop shipping. But before even getting to that, I think it's important to also realize that we have to find those companies who do that. So uh, like, first of all, who sell the type of products you want to sell and yeah. then manage it. So is it two different things like the, the provider of the good versus the one who does the logistics? How does that work? So... Suppliers can be from anywhere in the world. At the beginning, I had suppliers from China. Uh, after a couple of weeks, I started getting negative feedback from the customers that, because, you know, as dropshipping, drop I never touched the product, so it goes directly to the customer. I received a couple of emails from clients telling me that the product is not what they expected. And then I ordered the product myself from the supplier to find out that that was actually true. The quality is not as the way they advertised it on their website. So I completely stopped um, working uh, with suppliers from China. Not that all suppliers from China uh, are going to have this issue, but maybe what I did wrong was I did not search enough or look for reliable suppliers. Mm. So, because I know in my group, there are plenty of entrepreneurs who are still doing or dealing with Chinese suppliers and they're doing just great. Uh, but my mistake was that maybe I didn't like have, um, I did not search it enough. So uh, I switched to working with US suppliers and European suppliers. The way I do it is just, I use uh, my good old friend, Google. I Google um, like uh, wholesale dropshippers and you would get a bunch of platforms, some for free and some you have to pay an annual membership to get a list of suppliers or wholesalers who actually uh, provide dropshipping services. 
Whereas when it comes to European suppliers, you know, New York is very famous of having uh, trade shows. That's of course before COVID. So I went to every trade show you can imagine. And from there I would find uh, suppliers, I would connect with them, I would build this relationship and then we would start working uh, on dropshipping. This is really interesting. So is there a lot of companies who are suppliers in terms of production of the product and doing the dropshipping? Yes, you can find plenty, but you always need to find reliable ones. Like, for example, when you do Google and you find a supplier that promises to deliver dropshipping and it makes it easy for you to create this um, partnership or this contract very easy and very fast, this is a, a, a red flag for me because uh, those ones are usually not reliable. Uh, you would want, as though it looks controversy, but you would want to work with someone who makes it really hard for you to become a buyer for them. Mm. Because that means that they actually are uh, reliable enough and they provide the best services for dropshipping. And they are not scammers. That's such a good advice here. So good. And could you tell us about, like, once you have found your suppliers, actually, you've, mm -hmm. it's a continuous work. What I understand right. is that finding suppliers is kind of part of the full-time job, is continuously looking right. at those and testing and until yeah. you find the right relationship and then you make it continuous. Mm -hmm. um, but initially, you had an e-commerce platform with your own website where people would go to buy, correct? Am I wrong? Right. Yeah. Right. And then you decided to shift, shift to Amazon. Right. Or do uh, I both. Mean, I'm not no, too sure. No, do yeah. both at the same time. So I started on a platform uh, called Shopify. I'm not sure if you are aware of it. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, Maybe Shopify you can explain. Is, yeah. What's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Shopify is a subscription-based commerce platform that allows anyone to set up an online store and sell their products even if you have very little skill or no skill at all i mean at the beginning i didn't know anything but it's so uh, usually that anyone can start a good and free resource i always recommend is the uh, the shopify blog the blog covers everything you need to know about starting an e-commerce business and it describes what the drop shipping model is how to start it step by step so it's a very good resource We'll check that out. So Nomad Nation, we will put the links of all the resources we'll mention in this episode. To find them, go to tandemnomads.com slash 220. So we will probably mention even more resources. So Shopify is definitely the place to go, especially if you're a beginner. And, and even if you're not, and you don't want to have to create your own website, using Shopify is an amazing platform for that. So they are the leaders in drop shipping in the market. I don't know if, if you would agree. Definitely. I love their customer service. It's 24-7 customer service. Whether you work in the States or in Europe, they're always there to help you. And it's a very user-friendly as well. Love it. Okay. So drop, uh, Shopify, definitely a place to check. Is there other places you recommend to go learn and educate ourselves in, in dropshipping solutions? Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure you heard of Udemy. There are also all kinds of, you know, um, courses there to teach you about uh, dropshipping, about Shopify. Some are 
um, very low cost. Some are, I think a couple of them are for free at the beginning. And then you have also, um, there's a, another uh, guy who is like the guru of dropshipping. Um, I forgot the, the, the website, but something about dropshipping, I'll also uh, um, give you the link for it mm -hmm. it's a high ticket course but they explain if you want to have the fast track i also recommend them because they take you from uh not knowing anything about uh, drop shipping into having your own store set up and ready to run in a couple of weeks i love that I love mm -hmm. that. So I'm going to put the links. We'll collect all the resources you have and put them in the show notes of this episode. Excellent. Thank you, Thank you for that. So one more part of this whole work of being an e-commerce entrepreneur mm -hmm. and using dropshipping, at some point you need to get traffic to your website, like Shopify right. and all these platforms are giving you everything you need to make it work. But ultimately right. you have to attract the clients. Exactly. What have you done to do that? I mean, for me, that was the hardest part of having an online business, which was driving traffic. Uh, but with the help of Facebook and Instagram, I was able to drive traffic organically or through paid ads. And that was the biggest challenge for me at the beginning, is to learn how to create successful Facebook ads and to scale them. Because as you know, Facebook algorithm is constantly changing. What works now might not work in six months. So you have to constantly learn how to create a successful Facebook ads. Yeah. And any resources there that you recommend for that? Um, again, YouTube, uh, there are a lot of um, Facebook groups that teach you about uh, Facebook ads. Um, I can also uh, give you the links as well for these groups to join. They are free to join, but they would give me um, like 50% free. But then at some point when you get stuck, you might need to upgrade depending if you want to do it, you might need to upgrade and buy their course. Yeah. In general, whenever we're serious and want to commit, I think it's always better to go and invest. As long as right. we do the research and trust this person that's providing the course, I always think that that's the best, safest place to go. I mean, exactly. how much can we <laughs> have for free, right? And I think the free stuff are good to actually start warming up and making sure this yes. is really what we want to do. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for all these resources. We will put them in the show notes of this episode. So, all right. So you've been doing all of that. You've been developing and you're still working on it. And actually you decided to switch to Amazon. I'm curious to know what, what made you do that? Uh, I'm always curious about how things work in the e-commerce world. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and plus uh, I must confess that uh, I have been bitten by by the shiny object syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> whenever I see something, uh, I like to try it just for my own knowledge. And uh, if I see it works, then I can combine it. So for me, it was that I wanted to expand to Amazon because you know, Amazon is the biggest e-commerce platform out there. And I wanted to, because Shopify gives you the um, option to connect your store with Amazon. But before connecting, you need to first understand how Amazon, uh, which is called FBA, fulfilled by Amazon, works. So 
I again invested in that uh, and I started like uh, six months ago to test uh, Amazon. And now um, I wanna connect my Shopify store to my store on Amazon and make them all under one uh, name at some point. Very interesting. So what is the benefit that you see in Amazon? In Amazon, the only thing is like, it's not really 100% portable as a beginner. Mm-hmm. At some point, it might become portable. But to learn how to do FBA, first, you need to buy the inventory yourself and ship it to Amazon. That means you need to have space in your house uh, to get all these products in, label them, package them, and then send it to Amazon warehouse so that they on your behalf, send it to the customer. Uh, That's the best way to start. And then later on, once you master all the ins and outs of Amazon FBA, you can actually ask your supplier, your wholesale supplier to send the product directly to Amazon. So again, that becomes now portable because you don't have to touch the product. Your wholesaler will send the whole inventory to Amazon without you having to deal with anything. And Amazon will do all the labeling, will do all the, you know, the storage and sending it to your client. You just have to, you know, check in every day, see if there are customer complaints and see if there's any any returns and deal with that stuff. You said it, your job is basically everything related to clients, attracting them and then making right. sure they're happy and taking care of them once they buy and making sure that everything's fine. Right. So yeah, I love how clearly you explain everything, Suzanne. It's <laughs> so <you>. good. <laughs> and I, my final question about this part, because I want to talk about the, all the mindset stuff, you know, that I love those things. And Right. But I do think that you're providing such great information here that I don't want to miss it for those who are interested in considering e-commerce. What did you say about Amazon? What's the term? It's, F- it's called FBA, which means fulfillment by Amazon. Okay. So we'll be, we'll be able to put some information on that as well, correct? Right. Yeah. Okay, good. So Nomad Nation, as I said, tandemnomads.com slash 220, and we'll put all of that. Now, I want to talk a little bit about, first of all, your, your product. You are not selling any kind of things, right? You had a strategy of the type of product you wanted to sell. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you actually sell online? Uh, in my Shopify store, you mean? Yes. Yeah, I sell kids stuff, uh, mainly toys and clothes. Um, so, um, like, for example, uh, I had at the beginning, uh, I was selling these high ticket items, uh, these um, Mercedes uh, cars with remote control where kids can sit in and drive mm-hmm. each one would cost like five hundred dollars uh, and because I wanted to do something special to my clients and take that extra step I actually delivered those items myself mm-hmm. and like for example if I know that this item is a birthday gift I would buy a birthday um, gift and I mean, I would buy a birthday card and I would write a message for that boy or girl and deliver it myself. My clients just love this mm-hmm. until unfortunately some scammers found out about my website and they 
I would buy that item, I would deliver it, and after a couple of weeks, they would uh, do a chargeback. So, and in one month, I had like four chargebacks of $2,000 of delivered items that I couldn't claim back. Mm. So for me, that was a lesson I learned. I like at that moment, I discontinued selling this item. And uh, I also stopped selling any high ticket item. For me now, what is ideal is to sell product uh, price, which is between 20 and $60. Because chargeback, as much as it's part of any e-commerce, but if you are a small business and you get this amount of chargeback, it can really hurt your business. Yeah, yeah it's difficult. This is quite shocking. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Is not is it now easier to manage with Shopify, like with with dropshipping? Because your example was before you did dropshipping. Does dropshipping help in any way with that kind of issues too? Or I mean, that same? was no, that was during the dropshipping. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, because uh, only in Brooklyn I was delivering that item uh, to my clients. As I told mm -hmm. you, I wanted to do this extra thing with mm -hmm. my clients and get to know my clients. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so then I stopped completely, and now everything goes directly from the supplier to okay. the client. Okay. And you also had a vision around this. It's not like you were selling any kind of toys. I remember you were telling me the story behind this e-commerce. Do you want to share that? Yeah. I mean, as I told you, I wanted my uh, e-commerce to be also uh, a social uh, a social business. So I would uh, partner with suppliers who had a story, who their products, for example, are doing good in, in, in this world, like whether it's uh, from recyclable material, whether it's uh, they are giving back to some charities and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I always try to focus on suppliers who actually who are genuine, authentic and have a, a story to share. Yeah. That's so powerful. And you also wanted to leave a legacy for your children. And we were talking about how you've built this, thinking of leaving it as a legacy for your daughter and another business yeah. that you started. This is another story, another episode <laughs> yes. for your son as well. So can mm -hmm. you talk about a little bit about that as well? Like, how did you think of how your businesses could be a legacy for your children? Uh, yeah, as I told you, I always wanted uh, to do something for my kids. Um, I know uh, that uh, they are consuming a lot of screen time. They're like, especially now during COVID, but my whole business thing, thing started before COVID. They're constantly, uh, you know, consuming YouTube and social media and you name it. Mm. And for me, it became uh, uh, frustrating. And I said, okay, since they are you consuming that uh, much screen time why not to try to make it a positive thing why not to try to distract them from what they're watching to actually something that's gonna be educational for them and at the same time uh, try to build the this foundation of them becoming like entrepreneurs one day so uh, that's why I started these two businesses for my kids and uh, I am making them involved just from the beginning. Like they sit with me and we choose which products we want to sell. Uh, in my Amazon business, for example, my girl, is she loves it when I receive um, uh, products and we package them together, we label them together. It's for her, it's so much fun and she likes it. 
So this is what I wanted to give them. I wanted them to, when they are ready, to have something that they don't have to start from scratch. I wanted to give it to them uh, and to be there to help them and to support whatever they want to do with this business later on. So, so inspiring. I, I, For those of you in Nomad Nation who are listening, you know, if you've been listening many episodes that I always talk about the importance of having a vision and a big why behind whatever you do, even if it's through e-commerce and selling products, having a vision is what drives you. And I remember in the tough days when we were talking, Suzanne, that's, I feel like, what kept you going. Am I it wrong? is. It is. Uh, for me, it's not about uh, making money. Of course, it's, uh, it's always an important aspect of doing business as much as uh, I want to have something for my kids. Uh, nobody knows what the future is going to look like for them in 10 years, 15 years. Most of the jobs we know might not exist anymore. So just in case, I wanted to have something in case they uh, like they can take and continue without having to struggle the same way I had to struggle starting from scratch. So, so that what, what this is what is keeping me going every time I have a setback. It's amazing. So inspiring. So this is your journey with e-commerce and especially with dropshipping and the big vision that you had behind it. But as we started at the beginning of this uh, conversation, you started this because you didn't want to start a business where you were the face of the business. And um, and real side note here about social media, when you were mentioning social media, that you were not on those pictures. It was pictures of products and, and what you were selling, but you were never like putting yourself out there on social media either, correct? Correct. That's correct. Uh, I never had my face there. I never, I mean, at the beginning, I also did not promote my business to my friends and to my network. I was not feeling confident. I, I preferred doing everything behind the screen without anybody knowing what I was doing. I, I had built that wall around myself and I, I convinced uh, I was, um, I created this limiting belief for myself. All right. So let's talk about that now, because I do think that e-commerce, Shopify and dropshipping are an amazing solution for those who don't want to have a business, whether the face of the business. And I can understand that, but it's important. And no matter nation, if you're in that situation to distinguish uh, a decision that's clear because of practical reasons that you want, you don't want versus you fearing to putting yourself out or having some limiting beliefs. And that's where we want to challenge you today, Susan and I. So could you please tell us a bit more about what are those beliefs that you had that stop you um, from actually wanting to be, even sharing what you were doing on e-commerce to your friends? This is quite something. Yeah, as I told you, um, it's all because I was not sure that people wanted to do business with me mm. because of the way I chose to dress. Uh, but lucky enough, I was like so lucky to have people from New York welcome me with open arms, especially in Brooklyn. I was able to feel confident in myself because I had uh, people who tried to understand me and understand my background that same way I tried to understand them. Mm. But it took me uh, a couple of years, you know, to overcome that fear. 
because you see, I left everything I knew about engineering to open an online business that I haven't done before. And on top of the adaptation challenge that expats have to go through, I, on the other hand, had to push myself out of my comfort zone to learn new skills, you know, and to know how to run a business in a foreign country. Hmm. It's very difficult. And if you, if we may, I don't, I don't want to talk too much about this either, but I think it's important for people to know how difficult it can be for women wearing hijab, even in a Western country, in a city like New York. I remember if you want to mention a little bit, I think your first experience would not, was not that easy until you moved to Brooklyn. And actually, I think the reason you moved to Brooklyn was because of that. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, I was in this whole white bubble thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody would ask me, you know, my kids go to a German school because I, as I told you, I am half German. Uh, and I wanted my kids to have the German education in every country we go to. So uh, the first question I would always get, like people would look at me and they would say, why exactly are your kids going to a German school? Mm. And I was like, okay, here it goes. And I would like uh, turn it, like make a sarcasm, a sarcastic out of it and say, oh, you don't see my blue eyes. You can't uh, figure out that I'm half German. And they would all look at me like, what? You're half German? It's like, yeah, I am half German. So <laughs> that at the, like at some point it got so annoying because if you're not, let's put it this way, if you're not white and blonde with blue eyes, you don't fit. Mm. And that uh, made me move, take that, like decide to move to Brooklyn. And lucky enough, Brooklyn, uh, in Brooklyn, I honestly feel like I'm home. Um, I don't know what it is about Brooklyn, but the, the more different you are, the more <laughs> accepted you are. Let's put it this way. Yeah. So, yeah, this is why uh, it was part of building my confidence. Uh, it was after moving to Brooklyn. I think it's important for people to know, you know, what is the real stories? We don't hear that, you know, we, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you haven't shared that a lot. Um, when you know, <laughs> right? No, I didn't. It was always something like, um, first of all, if people don't ask, I don't share. Mm. Um, and then, um, like only recently, I started, you know, thinking about this, diversity thing Mm -hmm. and uh, actually I have a funny uh, story to share Um, like a couple of months ago uh, I was uh, scrolling down a website for women entrepreneurs named we.nyc which is funded by the city mayor de Blasio and then I saw a photo of a veiled woman on that website and I thought to myself hmm there's a a lot of diversity in that picture you know and after a closer look I noticed that that woman on that website was actually me at a (laughs) conference I attended a couple of years ago oh my god (laughs) exactly but it took me a couple of seconds like oh my god that's actually me you know and for me that was my aha moment I took that as a sign to really come out of my shell and be the face of my business. This is exactly when I decided, you know what? I'm going to become the face of my business. 
Oh my God, Susan, I'm having chills all over my body right now. I did not know this story. I'm actually almost emotional. Uh, this is so powerful. I mean, this is a sign. This was a sign. And the fact that the only woman you said, oh, finally, somebody like me. And then you realize it's actually you. Exactly. I, I mean, I can't tell you. Um, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I sent it to my family and like, look who's there on the website. And I even reached out to them to express my gratitude to them, to this uh, we NYC. And because, you know, I've always felt underrepresented in conferences and meetings. I never saw someone I could relate to. Mm -hmm. And I don't want others to feel that same way, you know? So for me, this was something that now I'm um, like uh, the diversity thing. I'm just tapping into that. Wow. Okay. So tell us what, once that happened, that aha moment, what did you decide to do? So I'm not sure if you know that in 2019, my business became a woman certified enterprise in New York City. And uh, that means like uh, you get to compete um, uh, for those bids and contracts where they actually ask uh, for women-owned businesses. Yeah. And um, just to back up a little yeah, bit, one yeah. thing that happened before that is that you started another business where you, yeah, yeah. Can you actually, that yeah. one first. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, but actually that certification I had before I started this new oh. business. Yeah, oh, that was in, okay. yeah, that was in 2019. Uh, but by the end of 2020, which is not long ago, I partnered up with a design and branding agency and launched uh, Vicoms New York. Uh, in that business, I chose to focus on business development as it's something, uh, it's an area that I wanted to develop more, both in business and in skill. So um, this is what we, what basically I'm focused on, which, which is uh, growing my design and branding agency. Mm. Okay, sorry. So now I understand better. So you were first registered into this initiative in the city for diversity. Yes. And the click was that you saw yourself and that's when you said, I want to be part of this. And mm -hmm. that led you to start this consulting company now. It's not consulting. It's like design. It's consulting for branding. You can say sometimes we do consultation for design and branding. Okay. And how did that, that business work? Can you tell me more about that? Um, I, I, because you know me, I'm always a person who needs to have a plan A, B, and C. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke with Suzanne. She said, no, 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 it's not A, B, and C. It's A to Z. <laughs> exactly. It's so funny when you say it. I always laugh when you say it. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I always need to have this backup plan mm -hmm. in case I move to another country. And, you know, uh, what if uh, uh, Shopify is not accepted in that country or what if e-commerce does not work so um, over the past four years I was doing this part-time thing working with uh, or supervising not working but supervising um, uh, a design and branding agency uh, which is called Vicoms International they are based in Greece and in Qatar uh, and because we had this nice relationship after four years they approached me and they said you know what we would like you to represent us in New York and be officially uh, become Vicoms New York so this is how it happened 
This is amazing. So inspiring. What a journey. <laughs> like if we have to think of one resource for women, you definitely are one. So <laughs> much resources. Um, so yeah, I know that it's this diversity topic has become a huge part of your life now. Mm-hmm. So yes. Can you tell us more about that because it seems like it really shook you to your core to realize that what you call limiting beliefs, I believe that they were founded on reality, but you just let it stop you. So what are you doing now? Why are you saying that now you're coming out of your shell? In which way? As I I told you, uh, that aha moment, I took it as a sign to really come out of my shell and be the face of my business. Um, And I thought of the comfort I felt when I first saw a veiled woman on that website. Mm. and use that to give myself the confidence to try and empower other minority women Mm. you see I've always felt underrepresented and I never saw someone I could relate to and I don't want others to feel that same way so on top of running a woman-owned business I am a woman of color to so many people and a hijabi woman and there are plenty of others like me that have ambitions and dreams so if I could inspire just one person, then I would feel accomplished. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, Susan. And I hope that those of you who are listening, if you are feeling that way, that today's story has inspired you to realize that you can take action. So and and um, Susan, you're doing such an important work here, such important. And I'm pretty sure that maybe a few years ago, you might have not wanted to be on the show and today you accept it. And I have the feeling it has to do with that, doesn't it? We didn't talk about that, you and me before, but I have the feeling that today you're more ready than before to, to be on a podcast and share your story and your picture will be on the website now. Um, that's, is, is that the thought? Is that the thought behind saying yes to this episode? Uh, it's definitely true. I mean, if maybe... Uh, you asked me a couple of years ago to share my story I would be like ah no I don't feel okay what if like all these uh, questions or that inner voice uh, that I used to tell myself you know but I've personally finally learned that diversity is such a beautiful thing diversity in friendships in languages in culture and in skills is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I look at it differently now and I consider myself lucky because diversity, as hard as it was at the beginning to be different, it allowed me to grow into the woman I am today. So for that, I'm really grateful. Oh my God. There's no better way to end this very inspiring episode. Thank you so, so much, Suzanne. And what is the best place to find you if you want to connect with you? On LinkedIn. Uh, I'm always active on LinkedIn. Uh, You can message me. Uh, I'll give you also the link to my LinkedIn. And I can also give you my email for anyone who would like to, you know, know more about dropshipping or uh, know more about uh, my new venture. Um, I'll be more than happy to share. Thank you so much, Suzanne. So Nomad Nation, I'll put all the information of Suzanne in the show notes of this episode on tandemnomads.com slash 220. I hope that you were inspired, whether you want to show your face or not, whether you are ready to get out of your comfort zone or not, that this episode brought you a lot of inspiration in many, many different ways. Suzanne, I can't thank you enough uh, for taking the time to, to be here and share your truly inspiring story. 
Thank you so much, Amal. Thank you for giving me uh, the, the platform to share my story. And I hope it is inspiring and helpful uh, to some expat uh, spouses out there. Thank you so much. Nomad Nation, stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities, just like Susan did here.